Sideboob Cinema is a retrospective movie show for adults only. Educational, satirical, transgressive. It's just entertainment and we're not out to offend, but at the end of the day, Frank Zappa said it best. You either get it or you don't. Roll the tape. Welcome business people, entrepreneurs, merchants, traders, wholesalers, brokers, agents, CEOs, <laughs> tradesmen, shopkeepers, brand ambassadors, influencers, pimps, madams, prostitutes, hookers, streetwalkers, hustlers, tarts, trollops and filthy whores. What? They're all the same, right? This is Sideboob Cinema, your podcast within a podcast. My name is Ricky Allpark and joining me tonight are my fellow sex workers, AJ and Jonathan Astro. <laughs> AJ, how's tricks? like the build-up the build-up was getting intense <laughs> john how's uh, how's the pimping life well you know pimping ain't easy as they say uh and you know i'm all i'm all about that you know i think of that line from bamboozled ah be smacking my smacking <laughs> my uh, yes well tonight Emma Leduce, 1963. Uh, if you haven't guessed, it is about the world's oldest profession. Okay. So Billy Wilder directs screenplay by, by Billy Wilder and I.A.L. Diamond. The second of his writing partners. Uh, you're either, so he's got two. I won't geek out too much on Billy Wilder here, but he's got two co-writers. And you either, you either like the first guy or you like the second oh. guy. It's like ACDC, you know, that leads Yes. <laughs> It is like that, or Faith No More, oh. or whatever, whatever. Mind you, you're pretty hardcore if you're Faith No More, yeah. and you're like the original guy. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but, so this is the second guy, and since you asked, I like the second oh. guy. Mm. All right. Controversial. Oh, Who, which, which guy did uh, Some Like It Hot? The first or the first guy? First guy? Yeah. First guy. Charles Brackett, I think. Oh, right, let me check. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. Just let me check because, you know, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed right now. Ah, uh, be smacking my horse. I.L. Diamond. Okay, all right. I'm embar- There you go. When did Charles Brackett uh, check out? Because uh, they had a, f- it was a horrible, f- like, well, he just sort of, Billy just ghosted him. Like, he was just like, anyway, oh. it's over. Really? Yeah, I saw a documentary once for his wife, I think, or someone of the, of the writer was all, was, was, you know. But her. Uh, oh, yeah, she was but her. <laughs> she, was, she, was <laughs> she was, you know. Explain either, this term. You know. <laughs> well, you know, you, you get it, you get it. So, um, anyway, <laughs> budget $5 million, box office $25.2 million. Oh, wow. That is a tidy little it sum. It is, yeah. Jeez. Or... It's a big hit. Yeah. It was the fifth highest grossing film of 1963. Oh, wow. Unexpected, eh? Because this is, I would say, this film is lost to obscurity. Unless you're Mm. a Jack Lemmon fan or Mm. a Shirley MacLaine fan or a Billy Wilder fan, I guess. But, you know, that's very atomized. You know, this isn't isn't one they play at the outdoor cinema. No. Some like it hot, they (laughs) smash it. If this came on... Like only only uh, elder boomers would remember this movie. I, I have to say, I think I had a better time watching this movie than I did *Some Like It Hot*. 
Whoa. We'll get into it. I have a few problems with the film, but overall, I think I had a better time. Mm. You thought it wasn't long enough. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. That's not. That's not one of my criticisms. Uh, yes. Well, uh, you know, where do I? Where, well, before I get rid of Billy Wilder completely, where, where do I fit this on his on his Uber? It's interesting. It's an interesting film. It's uh, it's late Wilder in a way. Not not well. No, it's the beginning of the end, Wilder. You right. know what I mean? So. All of these great filmmakers have got a beginning of the end, where where you where it's really the last hurrah, one of the one of the last hurrahs, and then then it just starts to go down. Because he did another fifteen years of movies after this, mm. but it really was, you know, getting harder to capture the magic and to go with the times and to you know whatever. And you know Hitchcock and John Ford and all those guys, they've all got the same. It's actually this this same time around about 1960 mm. mid 60s it's it's the swinging 60s right. that fuck these guys yeah that's right because i mean we we get with john ford we get uh, the man who shot liberty balance around about this time as well uh, which is that's totally the the book end of him like and after that it, they're just he's just marking time you know what i mean and, and then there's a real handover to the younger guys uh the the brat the movie brat generation in the 70s of we always say Spielberg and Lucas, but more importantly, I would say you know De Palma and and Coppola and all those all those guys. Mm. Easy Rider was only think about it. Easy Rider was was about five years after this. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, you know this movie is vaudevillian. Mm, it you is know? Mm. big as big as you like. Welcome to Paris. Every year, thousands of tourists come to this city to see the Eiffel Tower, the Champs-Élysées, the Arc de Triomphe, Notre Dame, the bridges of the Seine. The more adventurous visit Montmartre and the left bank, searching for the soul of Paris. But to find the real thing, you must come to Leal, the wholesale food market, the stomach of Paris. And if Leal is the stomach of Paris, then its busiest street, the Rue Casanova, is the heart of Paris. A place of passion, bloodshed, desire, and death. Everything, in fact, makes life worth living. Just across the street is the local bistro, Chez Moustache. Things are pretty normal tonight. A few pool with their mags and a few flicks to keep order. <laughs> unusual words, well, unusual people. Take Irma, the most appetizing dish of them all. They call her Irma la douce, which of course means Irma the sweet. Irma and her uh, uh, business manager are having a minor argument over a major matter, money. Irma fell in love with a flick. 
which would not be so bad, only this flick happened to be a very honest policeman, determined to uphold the law. Even Leal was not prepared for this unusual state of affairs. So unusual that a movie company headed by that master laugh maker, Billy Wilder, came all the way from Hollywood to tell her story on film. Come on. Up, up. Watch that baton. Come on. Up. Don't handle the merchandise. What's about? Or... <laughs> Do it. All right. Story. The story takes place in Gay Paris, in the down and dirty area of uh, Les Halles. Everyone loves my French. I think <laughs> <laughs> it happens mostly on the Rue Casanova, a red light district. A newly transferred cop, Nesta Patou, played by Jack Lemmon, has just taken over the beat, and his painful honesty and earnestness stop him from seeing that the Rue Casanova is filled with prostitutes and their pimps. He meets one striking woman dressed in green, Irma Laduce, played by Shirley MacLaine, and they hit it off. But eventually he realises that she too is a hooker and he calls in a raid and has everyone arrested. Nesta is not rewarded, but is fired by his inspector, who was actually one of the Johns he just raided. Nesta returns to the Rue Casanova down and out and drowns his uh, sorrows at the Shea Moustache, the main hangout for the pimps and pros. Nesta runs into Emma Leduce uh, again in the bar and offers to buy her a drink, but her pimp, Hippolyte... Oh, shit, I should have practiced this name. Hippolyte? Hippolyte. Sure. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Thank, yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks. <laughs> it sounds stupid. Sounds a- anyway. Yeah, it does. Does say- he have a nickname? They call him the... I'll just say Irma's pimp. But Irma's, yeah. but Irma's pimp gets heavy-handed with her, wanting her to hit the streets and make that cash. Nesta uh, and the pimp fight, and through luck and pluck, Nesta wins, and uh, which makes him uh, Irma's new pimp. That's how it works in these streets. <laughs> Nesta and Irma begin a relationship, but Irma won't entertain the idea of Nesta getting a job, as it would make her lose status amongst the other girls, so Nesta reluctantly agrees to be her full-time pimp. But having fallen in love with Irma, Nesta hatches a plan to get her away from street walking for good. He creates a disguise, a ridiculous Englishman called Lord X, <laughs> and begins to see Irma on the reg, eschewing a sexual congress on their long nights together for a good old card game instead. Nesta owes money to Moustache, who loaned him uh, the, the stake, uh, you know, to, to uh, trick Irma. Um, and with no option left, uh, uh, Nesta takes on a range of jobs at the local market. He sneaks out at night while Irma sleeps and works like a dog to get the cash he needs to give her as Lord X to pay for their time together, which she ends up giving back to him. Uh, he's too tired for that quality time, uh, uh, which causes a rift between he and Irma with her thinking that she's having an, uh, he's having an affair. Irma seduces Lord X with the view of taking off with him back to England. Nesta takes drastic action and decides to kill Lord X. 
And when he's uh, dumping the Lord's clothes and other props into the river, he's tailed by Emma's former pimp, uh, who mistakenly believes that Nesta has actually drowned Lord X in the Seine. Nesta is arrested and spends nine months in prison. Moustache comes to see him and tells him that Emma is pregnant, and he sneaks in a range of her stockings for Nesta to use as an escape. Nesta breaks out and reunites with Irma, uh, also escaping the cops again once he's out, uh, uh, donning his previous uh, his policeman's uniform. Nesta tricks the cops into uh, a search of the Seine, the river, and uh, Lord X emerges from the water. Uh, Nesta is vindicated and he and Irma get married. Irma delivers their baby girl right there in the church. And, <laughs> and finally, Moustache is baffled to see Lord X in attendance as a wedding guest. But that's a story for another time. <laughs> now this this film was conceived uh as a vehicle for marilyn monroe oh marilyn again um, even in this fucking movie we're talking about her I, I know but i was going to say i i thought shirley mclean was outstanding i loved her work in this and there's there's shit she does in this that marilyn monroe could never do yep you know the way that she flicks the cigarette away before she you know, grabs the guy to go upstairs in the hotel. Marilyn could never do that. The cat fight she gets into in, you know, in the, in the uh, what is it, bistro. Uh, she, Marilyn could never do that either. Mm. I'd go further and say uh, that the reality, well, she got a nomination for this, an Oscar nomination, she I'm did, pretty sure. Yeah. So the, the things that, str- that really hit me this time were these, were several reaction shots of Emma silently watching Patu, mm. uh, which were all absolutely wonderful. And it's hard to describe the look on her face because she's, she acts like a pixie dream girl, manic pixie dream girl or a bit of a ditz. But then these moments when she's watching him, like when she's watching him fight the previous pimp at the beginning yeah. and there's another time, I think, when she's in bed naked waiting for him to get in and he's sort of being, you know, he's putting the, the curtains up and everything. The look on her face is is absolutely wonderful. I actually can't put into words the different emotions that are going across her face. It's sort of like a she comes across as a, as 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 um, someone well beyond her years. She's really youthful, mm. but there's something about this look that's she's so taken by his naivete. Yeah, do you know what I mean? That, that yeah. and they just really stuck out to me. And I think if you watch the film quickly, or again, if you if you're um, you know if you're on Pornhub on your phone and you've got <laughs> Facebook on the iPad. <laughs> And, you know, picture in picture on the TV with uh, something else and this film. You're not going to see these things. Do you know what I mean? You're going to miss these things. But it's if you're paying attention that you start to go, wait, her performance actually is great. And um, I think Mm. she buries Marilyn. I I think she's much more on par with Jack Lemmon skill-wise in this movie. You know, they're they're equals, whereas Marilyn was always, I mean, she, she was doing her thing. But, you know, I felt like, you know the two blokes in some like it hot were definitely sort of at at a different level you know mm. well just think about it you could never plonk a camera down and say marilyn just just listen don't say anything mm. just listen to to the person you're opposite and she'd be like what was my line again and you'd yeah. say no just, <laughs> shut up there's nothing there's no line just shut up just listen and she'd be like just listen. You go, no, that's not, don't say my life. Oh, for fuck's sake. You know? Anyway. Uh, well, I, I love Lemon's first day on the new beat with his naivete about the streetwalkers. It's, it's cute and it leads to mm. 
you know, maybe not the best scene, but one of the best scenes in which in which the police van, it's like it's like a harem going on in there. You know, <laughs> I mean, John, would you like to be trapped in a van full of hot women that don't touch you but just laugh at you? <laughs> yeah, there's something kinky about that. Um... Become a stripper then, because that's what women do. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I think we won't, don't need to get into it now, but like the, the, this movie does, it being in, in uh, this sort of cutesy Broadway version of street walking in that van's different than mm. being in some of the, some of the, the Melbourne oh. laneway street walkers all in there mm. with me. I'd be like, oh, I'd want to catch, I'd probably catch yeah. something. So Down in St. Kilda. Down in St. Kilda, yeah. One of our friends used to live down there and yeah, you just get solicited and um, by none of them look like Emma LaDuce. Mm. <laughs> no. Okay, I'll give you the tip. Coquette, here, Coquette. You naughty girl. Yeah, pardon me, mademoiselle, do you have a license? A license? No. It's a violation of ordinance number 56. Oh, well, usually they let us get away with it. Not me. And another thing, according to the law, you're supposed to keep it on a leash. On a leash? Mm-hmm. Oh! Oh, of course. Yeah. I remember that. Hey, just a moment. What are all you girls doing around here at this hour of the morning? Oh, I don't know about them. I'm just walking my dog. Oh, I see. <laughs> I have to take her out all the time. Just kidney stones. It's a shame. Look, uh, if you don't mind my saying so. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You know, I've never seen a girl in green stockings before. But it matches the ribbon and oh. my underwear. <laughs> the green underwear? So you're new around here, aren't you? It's my first day. I thought so. So here's a question for you. It's a quiz. So oh. Emma's original pimp, when he, he loses, right? He loses her. And mm. she is replaced by what? Twins. Twins. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> the zebra twins. Yeah. All beautifully set up too because he says, um, you know, he says to, uh, uh, the pimp says to Irma at the beginning, I wish there was two of you. Ah, mm. yes. That yeah. is true. So there you go. That's mm. Billy Wilder through mm. and through. Yeah. He set up some payoffs. I, I, I love that fight scene between Lemon and the pimp. The, the cue ball in the mouth is yeah. great. But I got an issue with this. Okay. This is a problem. This is a problem. Because there's a scene, there's a shot earlier where the pimp, you know, does the old trick of like he's got a cue ball in his hand and he crushes it with his hand. Yes, yeah. Well, fuck off! You can't crush yeah. it with your hand and then get beaten by it. Like he should have <laughs> yeah. just chomped down on it and broken it, because he's that strong. I don't know if your mouth. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to chip those gold teeth. You know. <laughs> Look, I think you're being very generous, but but if I, like the thing is, Billy Wilder is such a he's so brilliant that this mm. has just gotten by him. Like because it wasn't realist, realistic enough. Well, him. it's not. It's not real. It's like, that's a good. That, I get what you're saying there. <laughs> I but, get that all the time. You give that to me all the time. I do. I do give you that. No, no, no. <laughs> but like, well, that's the thing that finding the line in this movie is there's only a couple of times when I when I was annoyed at the tone. You know what I mean? Like mostly for ninety five. More than that, ninety-seven percent of it. I was, I was, I loved. That was magical. But there's just a mm. couple of things where, I, and it was the same sort of thing when he was escaping the prison. Nesta uses his brawn to bend the bars. Yes, yeah. and I'm like, fuck yeah. off! Like that's yeah. he could have just snuck out. Like he should have just dressed yeah. up as a woman and snuck out or something. You know, 
<laughs> and, and that would be a nice nod to uh, Some Like It Hot. Sure. I mean, fuck mm. it. He's, he's dressed up the whole movie. So who cares? Yeah. Like, let's do that. Whereas they, because the, the stockings are cute, him getting the stockings to get out. That's nice. But mm. yeah, the bending the bars and the, the pool ball, because that scene with the pimp, him bending the pimp is really weird. It's got no music. It's mm. just him. Like, this is a, this is a jaunty, full soundtrack. Everything is yeah. scored yeah. in this movie. Yeah, yeah. And he has a fight with no music. When and I don't know whether he's meant to be completely outmatched or not. Yeah, you know? there, there needed to be music on the jukebox because mm. there's a jukebox in in there. Yeah, I, mm, I agree with something. That. And it yeah. went for just that little bit too long. Hey, watch! This is a new hat. Had enough? Now I'm mad. Now I am really mad. And when I get mad, I'm like a tiger. Do you hear that, boys? He's a tiger. <laughs> but I don't know whether he he won by accident or not. Like he does, but not not in not in a completely decisive way where you go, oh wow, that was complete accident. You know, he's sort yeah. of yeah, because wins. they buy it. Yeah. Okay. Everyone well, buys I think it. Beca- he wins, I mean, so. he was a former cop, so he must have had a, l- a little bit of training. You know, he, mm. he's much he's much smaller than yeah. than this other pimp. But I was well, I just thought watching it and then watching it a second time that that there was a bit of that going on. That he's mm. it's a bit of his training. He's not very good, but he's got some mm. skills. Yeah. Well, he won. Mm. <laughs> what do you guys think of French markets? They're they're a bit gross, right? Like, do you guys like a bit of offal, pig snout, maybe <laughs> some <laughs> lamb's brains? Do you know, because I've come from parochial Australia, when I went to Barcelona, I was so shocked by the markets there, like all the, all the you know, how, how they were a bit like this movie. Mm. You know, the things they pile up, like all the different types of, yeah, it, d- it does get a bit exotic, the meat yep. and the way they present it and stuff, and you're just like, geez, like, yeah. you know. I remember thinking that in Hong Kong, it's pretty full on. But I, I did, I knew a guy from my uni days who worked for a period in a chicken abattoir and they used to process 26 chickens a minute, he would tell me. 26 a minute, 26 Whoa. chickens a minute. And he said uh, the people who take up that sort of work, they either get desensitized very quickly or mm. they can't cope very quickly and leave. So yeah, I'm not, I, 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 no I couldn't shit. quite work out where he sat in that. Mm. But Was there anything behind his eyes? <laughs> my first boyfriend did it and they used to get a um bonus if they turn up five days in a row wow really <laughs> yeah Jesus. you get like 250 bucks on top of your pay well no but it was look the markets were confronting and and look i'm mm. such a pussy when it comes to all this so yeah just looking at all the you know it's all hope luckily most all the meat and everything's pretty fake looking but mm. um, but still, it does make you just go, gee. I don't know. They they did go on location for for the the early market stuff. Sure. Before you meet meet Jack Lemon and the gang. Mm. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Troubling. Moustache. Love. You love, love you love moustache. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's the owner of the bistro. He, he's great because he's just got he's ha- he's had all these former professions that sort of come up. 
all the time. Mm. Like he used to be a lawyer and he used to be, what, he used to be in the army and... Doctor. Know. Oh, yeah, he used to be a doctor. Yeah. Well, here's a little <laughs> excerpt from him. My dear boy, your thinking is not only fuzzy, it's economically unsound. And I know what I'm talking about. I used to be professor of economics at the Sorbonne. A professor for six years, but that's another story. Then you should agree with me that decent citizens have a right to be protected from this. All right, let's take a decent citizen. Married for 20 years, works hard all day selling baby carriages. In the evening, he wants a little fun, a little companionship. So he comes to Rue Casanova. He meets a girl. She gives him a little companionship. He gives her a little money. The girl gives the money to her boyfriend. The boyfriend spends it on drinks, on cufflinks at the racetrack. Sometimes he even pays a little money to a policeman. Bribe a policeman? That's the beauty of it. Because the policeman takes the money and buys a baby carriage from the decent citizen. Thus, the money is kept in circulation. Everybody's prosperous. Everybody's happy. I don't believe it. It's elementary. I don't, I don't believe there are policemen who take money. Mo that's <laughs> Moustache's philosophy. He, yeah. he, mm. he sells us on this idea that... You know, because I don't know what in 1963... I don't know what in America or wherever the fuck they're watching this movie in 1963... Were they yeah. going, oh yeah, this is great. Like, that's great. The Rue Casanova Well, and that's great. why I'm, mm. I'm surprised that it did so well. Well, because they never say the word prostitute or pimp. Yeah. They never, mm. He never says pimp. We all, we're all thinking the word pimp. Yeah. Mm. And they never say it. And his little theory is, is um, if I put it on, a, on, a, on the blackboard, it would be, you know, man wants, you know, man's lonely, wants a bit of companionship, meets a girl, gives her some money for sex... Uh, and then she gives it to her boyfriend, her pimp, yeah. and then he blows it at the track and buys some dumb cufflinks and then <laughs> and then bribes illegally a cop and then the cop buys a baby carriage for his <laughs> for his family. This is a this is a dreadful life cycle. The like like the, uh, the woman in that is yes. just totally treated like the picture Jennifer Connolly at the end of Requiem for a Dream. Yes, yeah. Memory burn. Memory burn. <laughs> Every time I bring it up. <laughs> yes. I yeah. just picture that's what it is. Like that's it, that's the charming. That should be this movie. You should remake this movie but with that aesthetic. <laughs> yes. Imagine that. <laughs> but uh, Mustache also says it's a God-given talent. It was meant to be shared with the public. See, this is mad. Mm. This is Euro. This is weird mm. Euro thinking, but but this is an American <laughs> movie and it did well in America. So get, yeah, but I'm 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 guessing. But he he has to explain a lot. Like you know, mm. if you're in if you're in Ohio watching this, like mm. Mustache is presenting a very exotic vision. Like you must be if you're a a a, a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant just yep. watching this movie. Yeah. Surely. Billy is Billy Wilde is doing a lot of framing for you. He's saying this is the city, it's Paris, it's love and all that. And he's like, they they, they even rattle off at the beginning. It's about love and death and all the things that make life exciting. He's he's saying it's okay, and then like Mustache is saying, no no no, it's it's all right. Like it's mm. love. Like how come, you know, you can hate anybody you want, but you can't love people. Like it's all in the language they use as well. So there's a, there's a lot of propaganda being given to us to get us to accept what is a despicable uh um you know trade mm. you know what i mean so well i just think people today who say sex workers rule work do, do they think of that as a talent that needs to be shared with the world because I, I don't think they do i think 
I think they like this perspective that that to them it's like working in an ink cartridge store. You know, sex mm. work is on par with that. It's not a talent mm. that you share with the world. You know, no, it's about who says. I've heard this great theory that the sex workers' real work crowd is largely like um, privileged, like academics and graduates and uh, people of a class who are untouched by the realities mm. of this. Mm. Uh, they're not street walking the gr- the in, a, in yeah. a barrio somewhere. Yeah. You know, they're not turning tricks. They're not having to turn 45 tricks a day. You know mm. what I mean? So. They're just not out there doing that. Like, like that is so. The people who push this idea aren't that aren't that crowd. You know what I mean? So, but I also thought about this point because I mean I just couldn't get. Oh, maybe we'll, we'll we'll shelf this soon, but I couldn't get away from this because the sex workers' real work crowd also, from what I'm imagining, they don't seem to approve of men having any sort of pleasure at all. So I don't understand that that contrast there because I can't. They've never said, yeah, and it's perfectly fine. Like 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 I can't imagine that crowd being about male sexual pleasure do you know what i mean like the yeah. kind of props mm. i guess in there in there you got to get that money you know or something like it's a whole different deal yeah yeah just before we leave a moustache there like um that that mad stuff and the mad philosophy he has and the fact that he said you know it's her god-given talent like perhaps maybe it has that's why it has to be set in france you know, for that for that to work because he's French, he's exotic. That he kind of gets away with it in in the American context. Whereas, because I, I was thinking earlier that you know, why is it set in France? Why couldn't it be set mm. in New Orleans? You know, and I think that's the reason. I think that that in order to get away with some of this risque stuff, people can just go, oh well, you know, that's that's just how they do it over there. It's you know? Paris mm. as well. It's Paris, you know? yeah. Like yeah. and and high emotion, throwing yourself off mm. the Eiffel Tower. And all that stuff, you know, like blood on the a bloody love heart on the on the cobblestones at the very beginning, mm. yeah, or whatever. So it's a, it's meant to be. Yeah, I guess I think this is the appeal. This is definitely the appeal because it was a uh, musical as well, so a, sta- a, a right. stage musical. So I guess you know, actually, I'd like to know more about that because this feels a lot of the turns, a lot of the dialogue, a, a lot of the particulars seem very Billy Wilder. So I want to know. What he's taken, you know, just the structure, yeah. just the initial idea, like, you know, maybe mm. maybe that was enough because yeah. a lot of the other stuff is, is all him. There is a weird gender swap thing going on here. Like, uh, as, as Irma says, you know, I'm going to work twice as hard for you and she wants to take care of, of her man and give him all the finer things in life. And I think she even mentions buying Jack Lemmon a car at some point as well. Like, I think that's interesting because someone like at Hot is obviously a whole gender swap thing and then here you're, you're very much swapping gender roles where... Jack Lemon is dependent on her for money, you know, and I guess that's how the pimp life works in a way. But I, I just wonder what what do pimps bring to this partnership, really? Protection, you know? the heavy, and, yeah, but, yeah. But you don't. Well, yeah, I guess because this is a light movie, you don't really see that side of of the mm. pimp and life. That's what's what's missing. It just seems weird that he's sort of this kept man, you know, who gets gets trinkets and stuff like he gets some jewelry for his tie and stuff no but it's only and, funny because he doesn't know. want any of that he wants <laughs> yeah. to, he wants to go to work and he wants to he wants to marry her and go and live traditional life yeah, yeah to, in, a, in the suburbs and she wants she's buying him this 
this this pinch. He goes, oh, so and so's got got a pin, and this is this one's real. And he goes, oh, I don't care about that. Like yeah, he's trying yeah, to yeah. he's still getting her to stop fussing. But actually, the fact that Irma and Nesta are working so hard for each other is really mm. sweet. So yeah, she she wants to keep desperately wants to keep him, and she's married to this idea that you know she, he shouldn't have to work. And then he, by the same token, is wants to work really hard so she doesn't have to work. You know, yep. so that's that that is what's dri- it's driving this this uh the engine of this story. So I really really like that. Really like that. Yeah, mm. it is very sweet. Mm. That does bring me on to one of my points, one of my bugbears in the mm. film is that Irma never finds out the extent to which Jack Lemon went to keep her away from hooking up and keep her to himself. Like she never learns that Lord X was him, and I think this would be a revelation that would touch her heart a lot more than just believing he killed Lord X. Mm. Or, or this is that's great, and I'm glad we've gone down this track. I think I've got to fix, see what you think of this. So, because, you know, we think we all agree that the movie's probably long by 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. At least. Half an hour. Mm. Yeah, half an hour, maybe at least 20 minutes. So, when I, I looked when there was 20 minutes to go, and it was when Nesta admits to the cops that he killed Lord X. Yeah. The movie's over. Yeah. The movie's actually over. So... And they pulled back on the on letting it, letting the um, the moment play because they were trying to get to the next scene, get him in jail and the rest of it. But no, no, fuck that. The, the whole point is that they are in love and united, and she's so touched. And it's Paris. We're killing people, and we're doing all of that stuff. We've set that up. That that's life, love, life, and death are all this cycle in Paris. So even fictitiously he should you know have killed lord x and then she should go oh my god you know you would do that for me and he'd say yeah and i'd, I'd do it again and then they'd kiss and then you'd just go wow what a movie or mm. the second possible ending would be you know maybe have him go to jail but then he gets out goes to see her and um uh uh you know um oh, what, what was it it was when when she when she comes back it could be that second beat when when uh, she says, or oh, maybe move move that for, for earlier. She says to him, oh, I'm pregnant or whatever, and it's not yours, it's Lord X's, and then he'd say, I'm going to raise it just like it's my own. And that's the mm. end of the movie. Yeah. You know, and you go, wow, beautiful. Or, or, or what if he says that line in the British accent that he did? <laughs> Great, sure, why yeah. not? And like, then it know, ends. And then, then you'd go, whoa, like, you know, or, or, or yeah, absolutely. I think, or, I just think that, you know, and look, let's all be, let's let's get it straight. Um, Billy Wilde is a genius and uh, he'd already done like, you know, some, some incredible movies. Um, so this is just a frustrating movie in a way. Mm. It's like almost a masterpiece, almost a masterpiece. Just a couple of things are holding it back. Mm. And, uh, this is, this is one of it, one of one thing for me, but who would be able to tell him, you know what I mean? Like after all the success, he'd just be like, that's why it's so long. People probably said, oh, it's a bit long, don't you think? He would have gone, uh, you're a bit fired, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> but that's why Some Like It Hot was brilliant, that it finished on that line. It didn't go into them fighting on the boat. That's right. Yeah. That was, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. why it was perfect. Actually, yeah. the only thing I would add to this is, so they say the last line, she's in love. He goes to jail. The final scene's in jail of her, like, in love with him, and, and he gets, like, seven years or something. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, like, and you go, okay, well, they're together. I mean, that's fine. She said she'd wait for him. I mean, you know, she's going yeah. to see him and she's knitting baby stuff, you know, and you go, <laughs> oh, this is lovely, you know. So, Billy, if you're up there, take, take <laughs> notice, somebody. So, we, we've discussed the length as a problem, but I thought one way to cut it down would 
short, short, shorten the credits at the beginning. They just they're never ending. They're long. They're mm. long. They're long, and and it sets it up where where Irma is spinning. You know, after she's you know finished with whoever's come up to the the, the hotel room or whatever. That she then spins them this sob story about her situation, and it changes all the time, and they give give her extra money, which I guess is a is a is a cool gag. But it just comes back again and again. And again Are we like meant to be more invested situation. in the music? Am I meant to be more invested in the in just the letting the music wash over me? Andre Previn. Andre Previn. I I don't know. I mean, it's it's rollicking and it, and it's fun, but I mm. I just I was frustrated. I was like, come on, let's get into the movie. You know, stop with these fucking credits that keep coming, and then they're interrupted by another scene, and then more credits, and then another scene, maybe, more credits. Maybe maybe back in the day there was a it was a this might be a thing where people are shuffling in with their fucking popcorn. Maybe this maybe they built that shit into the movie. Wow. Maybe. Do you know what I mean? That's one. That's something we never think about. This was not meant to be seen on a small screen. This was not meant to be seen on video. Video was it? Wasn't it a thing mm. at all? So you've always got to remember when was it? It was meant to be seen on a big screen only. And sometimes they do mad shit like that where people are coming in and want you to settle down. And you know that's why movies like Crash or whatever have a title sequence or how with Howard Shaw music playing or whatever it's like to, to transport you into the movie and this is yeah it gives us three beats that are the same which are Emma's a fucking liar to get money yeah uh, and they could have done that throughout the movie to yeah, show that maybe. she's quite clever well, they could have done it once no yes. well I think they wanted to show that she's more than just yeah, a pro that, so. that people like her and that she yeah gets tips as she calls them for lying <laughs> pretty much <laughs> tell me how did a nice girl like you get into a racket like this? Well, actually, I was studying at the Paris Conservatory. I was going to be a concert pianist. Chopin, Debussy, and like that. And then the night of my first recital, the piano cover fell on my hand. Three broken fingers and a broken dream. After that, I didn't care what happened to me, as long as I could feed myself and my little dog. Thank you. But but also the I think the ending gag is one gag too much. Like where Lord X, Lord X is seen and Jack Lemmon they're in the same building and moustache. I, I thought that was fine. I thought the coming out of the water though was <laughs> crazy. Oh, that's my favourite bit. <laughs> the reverse oh, motion really? of him coming oh, out of the water. So. Yes. So he, he he sort of elevates out of the water because we've seen him elevating. I was out cheering of the when that happened. <laughs> really? Yes. I was like, "Fuck yeah, this is the best." Uh, it is good. It is good. Look, it it's, it sucks and it's good. Okay, yeah. I feel both ways about it. Like I'm like, you know, because it's um again, it's a frustrating movie, and yeah, I'm 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 going with it. I think you're Paul. You're supposed to be dead, murdered. Are you quite sure? 
I saw it with my own eyes. Sorry to disappoint you, old boy, but other than the slight headache, I'm feeling absolutely chipper. I mean chipper. We've been dragging the river for the last nine months. Where have you been? Fair question. Now, let me see. I am the foggiest. All I can remember is that the, the climate was rather wet, but the fishing was quite good. <laughs> now, I trust that that clears things up satisfactorily, so cheerio, pip pip, and carry on. But it's it's in keeping with his ridiculous English guy, which which is also the best thing about the movie is Lord X. Yeah. You know, he is just fucking hilarious. Well, I've never seen Jack Lemmon do uh, anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Ever. Mm. I've never. I've always seen him be Jack Lemmon. Yeah. And this is something else. Like I've never seen him put on a fucking accent like that and just go for it and to be. Yeah. And just as a side note. Um, this might be the most devastating drive-by attack on the British I've seen. <laughs> yes. <in a laughs> yeah. film. Like, like for an American film, uh, and a very American filmmaker, despite uh, you know the fact that he's an immigrant, Billy Wilder. Still, this is just him. Like, ha- imagine now, just just you know, having forty minutes of a movie dedicated to just slamming another country, <laughs> just going hard. Like, <laughs> Like you know. Long Duck Dong, maybe? Well, that's like two <laughs> jokes and a gong. This is like endless of him yes, going yeah. tally-ho, old yep. ship. Like, yep, yep. you know, it's just like the, the relentless attack on the British. Mm. Yeah, um, It really did reveal that the, the tension between America and Britain. I was like, oh, wow, they really did. Yeah. They really sore about I mean, you won, guys. Like, well, what's the, why are you so sore about yeah. it? Yeah. Maybe because it's... Fr- I wonder if it's in the French... Um, or if the original in the play, if the guy's French, because, you know, the French mm. and the British, they don't like each other. That would make a lot of sense. All right, let's hear it again. The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain. No, no, through the nose. The rain in Spain. And show me some teeth. The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain. By George, you haven't got it. I haven't. Well, to a lord, you wouldn't be a lord, but maybe to Irma. Well, don't worry. I've seen every English movie in town. I'm ready. Hold still, your lordship. Now, tell me just once more, where is my castle? In, 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 in Worcestershire? No, that's the sauce. In Yorkshire. I thought that was a pudding. Well, I've done all I can. Well, let's see. Humbert, umbrella. Where's my 500 francs? You mean my 500 francs. Think you old chip. Not old chip, old chap. Oh. And then, now, I don't mind that there are American actors playing French characters in, in France, but some people would hate that. I mean, what are your thoughts on on this? You know, it's an American movie. All the actors are American, as far as I know, and they're playing French people. Uh, I, well, I'm of the school. I love it because, um, I mean, well, I mean, two minds. I think, I think um, you know, if you, if, if it's tricky because... Well, uh, maybe a modern example from our, our, our catalogue on this podcast, The Hunt for Red October. You know what I mean? Like, what do you think of? Who cares? Let's just let's just because if you if it's every if we're putting French people in it, we don't get to have Jack Lemmon, mm. and we don't get to you know so or or we get Jack Lemmon with a ridiculous ridiculous French bad accent. French accent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I I think maybe we should be okay with a theatrical style, and I think that if the film is theatrical. Uh, not that I've seen it, but a film that everyone loves, The Death of Stalin, which I really am embarrassed I haven't seen it. Um, I'm imagining that is English, like shot in English with a lot of, with Jeffrey Tambor, I think, in it and a whole bunch of other people. And I think, so I think it, it lends itself to comedy, absolutely, because you're, you're saying it's a bit, um, uh, you know, you don't really care about, uh, but, it, but when we're starting to deal with suspense, Tarantino said it, he's like, 
he brought up this great example. It's getting a little bit nerdy, but there's a Clint Eastwood movie, you know, a spy movie where he goes behind enemy lines where Eagles dare and, and he goes into the Germans. He's, and we're meant to believe, even though he's speaking English, that he's speaking German to the Germans and he was being English. Right. Now, Tarantino has said around the Inglorious Bastards time, he's like, that doesn't fly. He's like, accents and gestures, and that's why that guy gets killed in Inglorious Bastards doing the wrong gesture. He's like, all of that is, that's life or death. You know mm. what I mean? So, so you do need to think about it and say, all right, like, is it important? You know, is there an element in this scene of life and death or a re- is reality important to the to the characters? You know, is an accent going to be found out? You know, but if we're in Paris and it's, and yeah, we're, we're coming down, we're escaping prison with s- silk stockings, then, <laughs> you know, who fucking cares? I mean, what do you guys think? Uh, I, I I agree with you. I think I think in in a farce or a comedy like this, I don't really give a fuck. But then when mm. it comes to more suspense uh, films or or historical enactment films, it 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 becomes a little bit trickier. I think it takes you out of it. Yeah. But what's so nice about it is because this is actually a Billy Wilder, uh, for lack of a better term, formula. Because he, he his favorite filmmaker was a guy called Ernst Lubitsch who who did did this kind of thing and if you notice all of Billy Wilder's like some of most of his memorable films take place in a very specific time and place so he'll always and a lot of them do have the same narration at the beginning of setting up the action it'll be the apartments in 1959 specifically in New York City you know and here we are there we are you know and you know here we are set in uh in in Paris or or next week's film is is set in you know uh east and west Germany uh, in a very specific time in in the, in the 60s and there's something nice about being able to play with having the license to play in those milieus because we live in the the stay in your lane culture now where you've got to be you can only do this if you if oh did you have a, a parisian scholar like did you have someone was you know did you go to france for 10 years before and you go no it's just set in paris because <laughs> it's you know paris since it's a bit lovey-dovey in that and it's like yeah. well it's a bit inauthentic and offensive. And what about, you know, what about black and brown people in, in France? They deserve a voice too. And you say, yeah, I, 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 okay. Like, you don't get this movie, do you? So it's a shame that we don't get to play with this, you know, this type of license anymore because, you know, people are so hot about it. Like, And then we get claims from the, the Academy that, like, you know, for the very first time Asian people have been, like, allowed to do movies or something and you just go, what? You go, I think that, you know, so it's a, it's a whole different world. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Well, before we move on to Keeper or Creeper, the music is very good. And uh, it was written by Andre Previn, who was a German American conductor, pianist, composer. Uh, and he's interesting because he really straddled sort of three different musical worlds, which was hard to do, particularly at that time, being a jazz, a, a quite accomplished jazz pianist. Uh, a conductor of symphonic music and also a film composer so very few people were able to straddle those different worlds especially back in those days because the snobbery in classical music they definitely looked down on anything uh, outside of that you know whether it be jazz or blues or any sort of world music um, they were not down with any of that shit so that's quite quite remarkable um, but the music's just so much fun you know it's just mm. rollicking and jovial and it's sort of symphonic music with a concert band bent and a concert band is kind of like a marching band or, or an army band. Um, but 
we don't one thing I notice is we don't get music music scores for comedies anymore you know we just get Amy Schumerish types taking dumps in sinks serenaded by Beyonce's all the single ladies you know <laughs> that's kind of all you get these days well apart from that disgusting um reference uh, <laughs> you, you do it's, it's just source music right you just get yeah. ironic mm. 80s music or something like it yeah or, or just just a, a just a song a, a, a well-known yeah big hit you know yeah well which is a shame the, you know and that's a shame because um if you watch some of the 90s comedies uh they're a bit uh more sentimental than this like like dave for instance with kevin mm. klein that's got like I'm pretty sure like fucking Danny Elfman type score, you yeah, know, like yeah, yeah. like like wondrous, you know, big big score. You yeah. know, that's that's if you need that need this the sentimental moments, I guess. As well, well, I I I think of Steve Martin comedies. I think of mm. Frank Oz films. You know, Goldie mm. Horn comedies. Like mm. they've all got scores. You know, yeah, the Three Amigos. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yes, that's got a score, doesn't it? And this has got an offensive uh, world music section. Uh, in the hypnoti- hypnotist scene, so when uh, oh, yeah. Emma is hypnotizing <laughs> Lord X, she's taking him off to Tahiti and uh, you know Baghdad, and I think yeah. we get some Polynesian music. We also get some yeah, faux Polynesian music, faux right. <laughs> Arabian Nights type stuff. <laughs> My and she says stuff like, "There's Nubian slaves." <laughs> I mean, for goodness sakes, what what's with Billy Wilder's obsession with imp- impotency? He loves it, and and what's with his obsession with um with chicks coaxing you to have sex? Yeah. So no, and but no, and it's and I guess the joke is because Russ Meyer did it as well. He always said about his films, he goes, "If you, we'll watch some Russ Meyer, and you guys will figure out real quickly that despite all the big titties and all of the vixens walking around, <laughs> that it only works because the lead guy is a total punk bitch and a total, and he's always running away from the chicks." <laughs> He doesn't want. He doesn't. He doesn't want any part of it, and that's why it's funny. So just like this, like we've got a guy, we've got Shelley McLean who's gorgeous, mm. like she's beautiful, absolutely beautiful and wonderful, and she's desperately trying to have sex with him, and he's like oh, putting on, putting on all this this bullshit, so he can't do it, and then she has to hypnotize him, and actually this is one of my favorite bits. So she has sex with him, and then 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 his brain's all scrambled and he goes back down to the bar and he says, Oh, do you know, can you believe it? Do you know what they were doing in that hotel? <laughs> Lord X. Yeah, that was brilliant. Do you know what she was, they were doing in there? And it's like, you are Lord X. He's you. <laughs> so yes, I, the great, uh, excellent to point out the, um, that, that is really was a love, um, hot chicks coaxing sex out of you. Creepers, creepers, where'd you get those creepers? Creepers, creepers, where'd you get those eyes? All right, AJ, it's time. Come on now. We can't run, we can't hide. It's time for Keeper or Creeper. <laughs> Straight in, we've got Jack Lemon as Nesta Patu. Average build, not strong in the shoulders. Mm. You, you do notice that about Jack. He does have this sort of... You can see that, you know, so I don't know if shoulders are important to you, but he does have an honest way about him, if we're talking about his character. He's had a bit of a setback recently, but we've all been fired. You know how it goes. It's how he bounced back. He's landed on his feet. He's got a new job, sort of a managerial position, um, it's a bit like a mix of a manager, publicist. He's got a star client. She's immensely talented from what I hear. <laughs> Point is, Nesta's making some cash. He's a super hard worker. That's proven. 
moonlights mm. at the market. So, you know, he's, he's working hard for you. Question without notice. Would you wait if he had to go somewhere for a little while? Oh. So that's just, yeah, I'm not saying. But there's still weekly visits. Well, it could be a business trip. I'm not. I'm not saying on why he's going. I'm just asking you that question. You know, um, if it was a kind of a long stretch, uh, Mm. maybe think about that. Now, Jack Lemon as Lord X is our second, uh, um, you know, keeper or creeper for you. Refined and rich British lord who owns a castle in Worcestershire or was it Yorkshire? Somewhat eccentric chap. Um, His wife's doing the dirty on him, and he's thinking of leaving her. So that's a consideration. So you might be able to slip mm. on in. Um, he's not into parties and all that. Prefers a good card game. Uh, <laughs> you can only see out of one eye. So he's disabled technically. Is that a big deal? <laughs> Maybe it's a plus. I don't know. Uh, more to the point, he says he's half a man, if you know what I mean. Mm. So he's having trouble with the lead in his pencil. Um, <laughs> so you might need to put on a show. I don't know if mm. that, how that goes. Um, <laughs> but that cash don't come for free. That's true. You know, so that's just something you've got to weigh it all up. He's a little, a little bit older, obviously. That's the main difference, I think, between the two. So mm. I think Nestor's just, you know, he looks like he's in his 40s or something or, or like yeah. 30s. Uh, a 1963 28. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yes. Uh, <laughs> or, or, but in other words, look, he looks 45. And uh, Lord X, yeah, 65. Mm. So different timelines there. What, what do we reckon? Mm. Nesta at the start when he was a cop, too much of a know-it-all, too much, oh. too, too much of a good issue, two shoes. So okay. I like that he mixes it up and he mm. gets a bit, bit badder. Bit I don't know about the slapping. I don't he know about that. He does the... slap her. Oh, he does, doesn't yeah. he? Does, so he does... fills the pimp role. Mm. Um, That's big. But overall, loves, loves it. Loves her. Let me just point out a fact here. Both men are sub six foot. So they're yeah, five foot nine. That's true. Okay. So I don't Five know if that makes a difference. But there's just something. There's just a reason why they want to mm. go there. Okay. I'm not sure. All right. Too too good? Too good. Too good not, to be true. Not, I don't know. I, I, I can't put my finger on it. Mm, that's interesting. Mm. Interesting. So is he is he, you know, more... Would it be different if he was if he grabbed that pimp life by the horns and he was a bit more like no nah, I'm a pimp? Yeah. If he was more like Snoop Dogg in that video that I keep quoting where they said Snoop, do you want to apologise for all the stuff you said about women in the eyes? He said no, nope, because that was me. Fuck them holes. <laughs> so yeah, if he was more maybe like that, I mean would that more piggish. Yeah, maybe well, because at least that's 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 you, you know someone being really definite and assertive Real. and you've made the choice. You know, whereas it feel like mm. Nest has been pushed into this. Yeah. Yeah, but, mm. yeah. So that's a creep, creeper. That's a creeper. I like just by the smallest of mm. margins. Oh, it's a shame that you, a can, keeper. that you can get creeped, you know, like yeah. that by an inch. I've got the ick. Mm. There's, there's the ick and I can't place it. Yeah, well, that's probably what it means to be a creeper, I think. Yeah. You, know, you can feel the ick around you. <laughs> All right, Lord X, what do we reckon? Different Lord sort X. of cat? Lord X was a bit of fun. <laughs> it was a good time. Okay. But yeah, you you couldn't be married to him. Okay, he loves yeah. his gardener too much. Yeah, <laughs> so I've got to say creeper again. I'm, I'm upset. I'm upset with myself. I feel like mm. I've let you guys down. No, I thought I I actually <laughs> thought it was going to be a double keeper for the first time in history. Wow, 
Well, oh, that's what he thinks of you, Jay. He thinks that you deserve <laughs> Nesta Patu and Lord X. <laughs> and I just want some thug. <laughs> <laughs> you, you want most death. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right, well, better luck next week. Wait, you get them. Won't you put me wide? Don't you die, man. Pay to advertise. Tell them about me. Where did you get the All right, uh, here's my trivia. According to an article on the 21st of October 1962 edition of the New York Times, the sprawling Rue Casanova set took three months to build at a cost of $250,000, which is $2.45 million in 2022 dollars, and included 48 buildings and three converging streets. Wow. It's an incredible set. Mm. It's big. It, I love those sets. I, I, I miss them, you know, where the actors can walk around them and you can have people deep extras and mm. yeah, great stuff. Yep. Uh, Shirley MacLaine was not happy with the script and uh, thought even less of the film after it was finished. Now she called it crude and clumsy and she was surprised to get a Best, As- uh, a Best Actress Oscar nomination oh. out of it and saying she... Uh, uh, saying that I would have been nonplussed had I won it. Mm, big. That's, yeah, come on. Ungrateful. Well, well, I don't, you know, I mean, say what you like. I just don't, I, I think that, you know, it's it's always offensive to people who like the movie. That's all, like, the audience. Selfish, that's all. It's, you're, you're being selfish. Like, there are people that like this movie, and, and, and if, it, if it took someone out of their, their dreadful life, and that wasn't a Hollywood life, like the one you live, Shirley, then... Um, and she was really good, yeah. Know, and you were good, mm. so mm. shut up. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and if you're reading the script and you don't like it, don't do it. Well, she signed on. She signed on knowing it was just Billy Wilder. Right. Okay. But then again, if you're going to be, you know, such a bitch about it, maybe you should mm. read the script beforehand. So, in order to be able to play Irma properly, Shirley MacLaine travelled to Paris to see what it was like for real Parisian. Parisian prostitutes, okay. uh, they were all eager to tell her what it was like and very willing to answer any questions she had when asked if she would like to watch them in action. She politely declined, Ooh. but to her, surpri- her surprise, they became indignant. They requested that she watch one of their weekly customers with three of the girls through a small window in the hotel door, and she unwillingly obliged. <laughs> Great story. <laughs> Everyone wins in that story. I win the most. <laughs> I'm watching, surely watching them, and I'm going, yes, very good. <laughs> Levels, Jerry. Levels. Uh, the Seine River was heavily polluted at the time of shooting. For the scenes where Lord X emerges from underwater, Jack Lemon had to be given seven, uh, several immunization shots, including tetanus, before entering the water. He later said it was the most disgusting thing he ever had to do in a film. Wow. Well, that's serious, you know. Catherine Hepburn got pushed into a river in fucking Italy or wherever the fuck. And, um, yeah, I think I believe she had an eye problem or an ear problem, something for the rest of her fucking life. Oh. It was in a movie called Summertime, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, so... I always think about that, and I thought, and here I thought about it as well. When they got when they're in that water, I was like, "Oh my god, do not get in that water!" Wow, do it in a pool, please. Mm. Do it, do rear projection. Do not get in that water, my brother. You know? <laughs> uh, my last piece of trivia is uh, there are actually three remakes of this film. Uh, it was remade in Turkey in 1968. 
It was remade for French television in 1972, and the film was also remade in India. I, I don't know when that was, though. Oh. I think it was in the 70s. There you go. Turkey and India, two places I think of when I think of um, <laughs> charming places <laughs> for sex work, yeah. sex work to occur. Biggie. Write in if you are offended at what I said. All right, is it? Am, am I on? Is it time? It's time. time. Okay. All right, let's do it. Uh, if I was you, I'd wanna be me too. I'd wanna be me too. I'd wanna be me too. So it's our Bechdel test, and I hope all you people are actually applying this to everything you watch. Do not, do not think of getting away without applying the Bechdel test, an informal way to evaluate bias against women in films and other media. A worker said to pass the Bechdel test if it has two named women who talk to each other about something other than a man. To my knowledge, no named women speak to each other in this film at all. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure whether Kiki the Cossack or Mimi the Mau Mau have much to say to each other. <laughs> uh, I'm not given that opportunity by Mr. Wilder. So I would be wrong there. Um, I do like that people have names, you know, that it's straight up. Like it's good... You know, back in the day, it would be like your name would be like Bill Carpenter and you were a carpenter, John Baker, Mimi mm. the Mau Mau, she's a Mau Mau, Kiki the Cossack, that's where she's from. Mm. So well, that's what she, you know, it's a, a role. So yeah, just pick what you want is what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> all right. Believe all women, we are presented in the opening credits, uh, vignettes of Irma with uh, her various Johns telling them different stories about why a good girl like her ended up in prostitution. Firstly... I believe all women, uh, and even if she's not telling the truth, uh, it's merely a restorative justice. So, hashtag believe all women, and if it's not true, wah you, okay? That's all I've got to say. One criticism I have come across uh, is that uh, the many women of the Rue Casanova come across as an offensive United Nations of pussy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> offered up for the colonizer penis. Uh, so um, this is kind of short-sighted as, as one of the only positives was the glorious display of diversity amongst the streetwalkers. Every aspiring young prostitute deserves to see themselves portrayed on screen. Think right now there are young girls who watch Pretty Woman or Leaving Las Vegas and because of representation <laughs> never even dream that they could be paid five bucks to have sex with a dirty old stranger. <laughs> Everyone deserves to see themselves on screen. And for too long, white women have had some kind of dominance over screen, on-screen prostitution. So bravo, Billy Wilder. You make the dreams of young hookers everywhere possible. <laughs> <laughs> now, the main joke in this movie seems to be that there is something cute or funny about sex work. I'm very confused. Sex work is no different to any other job, as, as Ricky stated earlier. Uh, some people make footlongs at Subway and some people take footlongs for money. <laughs> <laughs> What's the big deal? It's not appropriate to shame our sisters for blowing stinky Johns two at a time behind oh. a dumpster. I fail to see any possible downside from this perfectly normal occupation. It's a job of work, a blowjob of work. So what? <laughs> yeah. Furthermore, I am obviously disgusted that there were no real sex workers hired or consulted for this movie for that matter. Let's call it out. The lived experience of whores and sluts was stolen to make this so-called entertainment. It's inauthentic and insensitive. If you're going to make a movie about streetwalkers, then I suggest you hire actual prostitutes for the roles. And don't stigmatize their necessary work, all right? It's not a joke. It's not weird. It's fine. 
So if, if they want to turn a few tricks between camera setups, then you better let them. Or perhaps you don't care about the lives of uh, these women. And if you did, you would let them fuck a few Johns for cash while they're on set. Okay? <laughs> That's progress. But truly objectionable is Nesta making a big deal about how Irma is uh, no longer a prostitute and now a wife uh, and mother. When I first met you, you were a streetwalker and now you're going to be a wife and mother, he says. Ah, a slave, don't you mean? That's all those roles represent. <laughs> Drudgery, cleaning, feeding. She had it all before he came along. She was a streetwalker. Plenty of fresh air, intermittent exercise, <laughs> freedom from the patriarchy. She was a sassy, independent business owner and now she's had it all taken away by a cis het Nazi. <laughs> okay, all right. What, what, I'll open it up. What, 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 anything jump out at you, you people, or what? There are no disabled prostitutes or transgender oh. prostitutes. Well, so. that's big, isn't it? There's a BBW, sort of an older BBW. <laughs> what, what, a 1963 BBW? But, they're, but they're, they, are, they are satellite figures. They are not the main, main event. Mm. Yes. So a movie called Emma Deuce, we certainly spend a lot of time with Jack Lemmon. You know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I mean, don't you think it hinges on what the, the a bit like last week, this hinges on, on if sex work is real work and it's all great and fine and beautiful, then this is the greatest movie ever. You'd be like, yeah, yeah this, is, this is just You Go Girl. This, that's what the title of the movie should be called, You Go oh. Girl. Whereas... <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh it's it depends though you know like do you think that someone a guardian person or any of the people you went to the protests you know the, some of the people who went to the protest the other day ricky yeah yeah like on the other side do you think that they would watch this and go oh charming <laughs> no i think they'd find something wrong with it they just would they'd look at it as something old and everything old is bad mm. that's true old is bad and um, non-Marilyn is bad. Non-Marilyn Mar- is yeah. the, without her, what are we left yeah. with? We're left with... Mm. She's the female Obama. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the female Obama. Un- untouchable. Untouchable. <laughs> I guess the, you know what stuck out for me? The slap really stuck mm. out. He yeah. slaps her. And um, although uh, there are Twitter accounts that show this type of thing happening in past places that I don't live, um, right now, Still, this was shocking. I was like, because it's a mainstream movie and like, I don't know, like, I feel at least in the the world that I live in, if someone slaps someone, like their life's over, like it's like, you know, they're mm. the worst person Will in Smith. the world. Mm. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's maybe that's just great. Maybe he's great. I don't know. <laughs> but, but, but to have that slap in this movie particularly, mm. because it's such a farce and it's so light, uh, it's it does stick out. It. Mm. I feel like it was, um, you know... I can't get over, and I don't think I thought I was, when I was watching it, I was like, am I being a white knight? Like, am I white knighting going like, oh, women, oh, I wish women had it better, you know? Like, <laughs> you know, you don't want to be that guy. I wish women had it better. But at the same time, I do notice it. I mean, the apartment is just as bad for women and women, women in a way um, <laughs> because Miss Kubelik, Sheldon McLean's character, is the elevator chick and she's got no purchase on that place whatsoever it's like Mad Men she's just at the bottom mm. rung and she ain't never getting out of it and and this is below that because they're street walkers they're just like mm. it's the absolute dr- bottom of society you're never getting mm. out of that life and it's a short life of horror and misery so I don't know like I, I feel like all of that if you're 
thinking about it, like I've got to work hard to get over that and go, okay, maybe it's charming. Maybe mustache is right. Whereas I don't know, mm-hmm. are, are the people that I always talk about these, these guardian readers and that, and some of the un- unhinged people who are res- responding to us on Twitter, are they <laughs> watching it? Well, they're not watching it. I know they're no. not watching it. They don't they're watch not watch anything. Yeah. They're on Twitter. No. They're not watching yeah. us. They so, can't sit there for two, two hours and 17 minutes. <laughs> two hours and yeah. 20 minutes or whatever. <laughs> they're enough to finish watching and say, they get up and they go, well, that was offensive, but it had great music. <laughs> like, I could not imagine them engaging. I couldn't imagine them. Like some of these people, these lunatics, um, you know, the more militant and anti-fascist people and that, I can't even imagine them saying the word Shirley MacLaine. Mm. You know, saying or yeah. Jack Lemon saying, yeah, yeah. Anyway, like I've got the signs ready for the weekend. Yeah, fuck the pigs, a cab. Anyway, yeah, I watched this Jack Lemon movie. Yeah. And you go, you know, it's like hearing them say Jack Lemon. It's like when my dad, when I used to force my dad to say stuff like, well, this is really old now, but I used to say, Dad, say Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> and go, Hootie and the Blowfish, and I'd go, say Nirvana, Nirvana, like just getting him to say. Is not in his brain. Uh, so yes. anyway, back to the fucking point. What does this get? Come on. Well, no. Before we move on from the slap, the thing I couldn't stop thinking about is that Billy Wilder thinks Irma LaDuce is only worth five dollars a fuck, which in twenty twenty three dollars is forty three dollars and sixteen cents. Now that is a fucking bargain. I'll have two. Thank you very much. <laughs> but yes, how much money is she you don't getting? Have. Huh? She's well, how much of that is she getting? She's getting fuck all. Yeah, she has much. to give everything to her. People. Yeah. yeah, so she's not getting much at all. No, I think that I think the problem's there as well. Like if if she was her own boss and she was running the show and getting all the cash, mm. like I think everyone would think that was great sex work. But this is we know a feminist and philosopher. I want to ask her a question. Like she'll never listen to this episode. I I, I really would like to ask her. Like if I think like what is what is it what is what's the philosophical meaning of someone really hot like Shelley McLean and she's clearly like you know magical like beautiful sexy you know funny all of that and her only being worth five bucks and you getting angry at that and going oh god like what, what a waste what a waste she should be worth way more like is that from from a feminist philosophical standpoint am I is that good or is it all bad is it you know I don't know how to I can't sort out the pickup sticks mm. you know like if you saying, oh, she should be worth way more than that in the sex market economy. Well, if, if, <laughs> if it's as Moustache says and that, you know, she's got a God-given talent, people with God-given talents like painters or musicians, they do it for the love of it. You know, most of the famous artists throughout history, they died without a penny in their pocket. So she should be happy with whatever she gets. <laughs> so, good point. You sold me. You sold me on it, on all of it. Anyway. All right. Uh, yeah. Look, I'm confused. Yeah. What, what, do you, what do you reckon, OJ? Come on. Could you play oh. this? It's a good. Could you play this anywhere? And like, could you put it on Boxing Day at a big extended so. family thing, and people would be like, "Oh, so charming." Yeah. No, I don't think so. No. No. Yes. I, I think it gets full marks. Mm. Anyway, okay. Toxic. I am not as nasty as racism, fraud, conflict of interest, homophobia, sexual assault transphobia, white supremacy, misogyny, ignorance, white privilege.
Okay, all right. Well, just quickly, uh, quantity. Look, to be honest with you, covered up for the most part. <laughs> Hashtag free the nipple, I say. There is one extreme long shot of Emma seen through reverse binoculars, but to be honest with you, AJ, I'd need a 4K print of this movie to be able to analyse the data appropriately. <laughs> and once I have acquired the knowledge about the quality of the bosom, I will happily share that data with you all. Overall, I was left unfulfilled, angry, disappointed because I felt I was being robbed of something special. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another great boobometer. <laughs> All right, moving on to some reviews. I have a smattering here. Uh, Bosley Crowther of the New York Times called it a brisk and bubbly film with Lemon little short of brilliant and McLean having a wondrously casual and candid air that sweeps indignation before it, before it and leaves one sweetly enamoured of her. Variety praised okay. the scintillating performances <laughs> of Lemon and McLean but thought that the film lacks the originality of some of Wilder's recent efforts and that the 147-minute running time was an awfully long haul for a frivolous farce. Mm, And uh, the monthly film bulletin wrote, though the film stretches for two and a third hours and rarely ventures away from the two principals and the studio-built Rue Casanova, the humour and spontaneity endure surprisingly well. Most credit goes to Shirley MacLaine and Jack Lemmon for yet another tour de force of comedy playing. And to finish off, I have an IMDb review, um, <laughs> and this comes from someone called Charbax30, uh, oh. and they titled this Feel Bad Comedy, and take note, I'm reading this as written, okay? I really hate how this two hours and 22 minutes long movies takes people for stupid. It makes fun of Jack <laughs> Lemon and prostitutes, but still is very censored and sexually at every detail, so it drives me mad. I feel the same. My advice to intelligent people is beware. You might feel real sorry you are watching this movie if you were seeking for some intelligent laughs. Jack Lemon visits Irma LaDouche. Uh, Jack Lemon <laughs> visits Irma LaDouche disguised as a rich English lord and pays her with 500 francs. He works all night earning carrying dead pigs. In the morning, he sneaks back home, but he is so tired, so Irma keeps on smoking, even though she promised she would stop. My vote is four out of ten. Oh, for goodness sakes. That, why those details? <laughs> why hung on the details that one does? Uh, just say you didn't like it. Why it's like, you know, giving us, it's this, this, this uh, m- melding of, of plot information, pointless yes. information, oh, yeah. and his bad review. Uh, and I'm surprised I, I had didn't slip that earlier in the in the episode uh, episode Irma the douche. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> very good. Uh, there's one line that that uh, I remembered. I wanted to to say. So Lord X, they, him, he comes in and they you know they're the, the lobby of the hotel. And they're about to go up, and the attendant at the hotel is like watching him and Irma, and um, you know have their little repartee. And Irma says, oh. It's, I, I've been practicing, and then then Lord X goes, "Let's get at it." <laughs> Which I it was nice. There was a lot of those great innuendos in this, you know. Mm. Like put it, put it, keep it on a leash, yeah. and all that good stuff. Like you know, he taught me a new game. What kind of game? He beat me nine times in a row. That's more like yeah. it. Yeah. He used to play with his wife, but now she won't do it anymore because she's got something going with the gardener. <laughs> all that good stuff. See, the the, the swinging sixties killed all that. Mm. Yes, 
you, you couldn't do that. You couldn't do that sort of innuendo in in the Easy Rider sort of era. Mm. No, because they just come out and say it. They'd have a character that just goes, "Yeah, you know, I fucked her this way or whatever." Well, know? now, yeah. well, now I think it's hate speech. I think this innuendo is hate speech. Like if you if you do something that's got a double meaning, people go, um, "Did you just say Hal Hitler?" And you go, <laughs> "No, that's not what I said." And they said, "Look, <laughs> you listen here, Adolf, and that's the end of you." All right. Well, uh, that's Emma Deuce. So you all had a good time. Yes. Yeah. Good time. All right. Well, Ricky's Ricky liked it more than some like a hot. Well, let's see if I can go. Uh, you know, uh, three for three. And next week we're gonna we're gonna go uh, for a film of his called One Two Three. Okay, similar era. James Cagney's in it. Uh, I won't tell you too much about it, but um, what's great about the films we've covered, apart from some like a hot, I suppose, is that there's so many, uh, for lack of a better term, brighter lights for you to that you'll just stumble across. Someone ad- ad- eventually will say, let's watch Sunset Boulevard and you'll watch Sunset Boulevard or let's do this. Or The Apartment, which I'm going to say is the greatest movie ever made. Uh, what? It is the greatest movie ever made. It's the greatest wow. film ever written. It's the greatest movie ever made. And yeah, I won't, I just won't hear it. So uh, I haven't even put that in this. I can't handle it. Like the film, is, it's too, uh, every time I watch, I'm a mess uh, and wow. I can't go through that with you. Okay. So... You're just gonna have to go it alone, uh, good people. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, that's and it's underrated as well. Like like weirdly underrated. Like mm. I don't know, I don't get it. But anyway, the point is, you know, Irma Deuce is one of his lesser lights. Mm. So is one, two, three. Um, although I do really enjoy it. Not not to give it away. Um, so imagine what's waiting for you. Is I'm what excited. I'm saying, people, you know. Excellent. All right. Mm. So what we said. I think yeah. I think we're good this week. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the prostitute stuff. There's <laughs> no race stuff in there. So yeah. no, no race stuff. No, no, no. Oh, the now, now. We said meet the now, now woman. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, until next time. Long live the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. And remember, side boob cinema will we'll save cinema. cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, business people. Oh, no, 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 don't do it. <laughs> oh, and ch- check your mic too. Just just tap it. Yeah, yeah slap it. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> slap it. Sometimes I slap it. <laughs>